Welcome to the podcast. Hello, I'm John Branion, and this is the comedian next door. All right. Um. So, Carl, the uh, the guest today is uh, Jeff Hicks, and let's just be, let's just get it all on the table, Jeff. Uh, you and I haven't spent a whole lot of time together. This is like our first meeting, isn't it? Face-to-face, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are online on Facebook in a couple groups together, so it's almost like we're besties, but mm-hmm. uh, face-to-face, this would be the first one. Yeah, yeah. And so I just I didn't want to give my solitary listener, who I've named Carl, the impression that I'm bringing you on, and we we're like old buddies. So we're this is a this is a this is a maiden voyage as far as face to face conversations go. Yep. Um, so we're and, and we're doing that to set an example for all of our Christian brothers and sisters about how you are supposed to establish fellowship with people, right? Sure. This is a noble thing that we are doing. We are exemplary leadership here. Yeah, exactly. Imitate us as we imitate Christ. That's that's what we're doing. That'd be that's a worthy goal. (laughs) Um, There's a a couple of things. I sent I sent Jeff a, a topic. He he texted me, Carl, and said, "Is there a topic?" You know, because he doesn't know he doesn't know how we roll here, and so I was I was gentle, um, and I gave him a, a bit of a topic, but I'm I'm going to throw you a curveball. Uh, Sir Hall's going to be on. Also, I'm going to interview Al, and uh, I thought about having I know I thought about having you and Al on at the same time, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because that, could, that get- could be fun because he's a Bears fan and I'm a Vikings fan. And this would be a very good time for me to talk to him about the Bears and the Vikings. So, well, uh, all right. I guess I'm not going to take that off the table. My my fear was that you and he would gang up on me, and that's what. That's well, that could happen too. Decided to separate you. Um, You're not a Packers fan, are you? I am not a fan. Oh, okay. period. And so okay. that's fine. I, I'm like I'm not the guy that you want in those comp conversations because I literally have no opinion and I don't know what I'm talking about. And so, and, and you'd end up talking about soccer. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even do that. I know better than to do that. Um, Searle is a soccer guy. Yeah. Is he? Oh yeah. He's, he's coached it, hasn't he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then he is confused about what real football is. He's confused about so many things. Um, (laughs) But we'll get that uh, we'll get that squared away. Here's here's the thing that occurred to me as I was getting everything set up and you were and you were coming on. Um, I and, and I want to get your uh, want to get your take and your perspective on this. I've already gotten uh, Al's perspective and I've gotten a couple other ministers. Jeff is a uh, is a preacher at uh, where's where's your church at? Yeah, Florence Christian Church is here up in Northeast Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. Yep. Uh, so the 
the way that I met Jeff, the way that I know Jeff is by association in a group online on Facebook that uh, was started by Mike Grooms. And uh, I'm not even really supposed to be in that group because technically I am not a preacher. Um, technically. Uh, boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Some people could argue that a lot of us aren't either, but you know. Well, I thought I would. Do you do you want to shut off the? Do you want to sign off now? Are you or you want to go ahead and continue um, <laughs> speaking with me after that admission? Uh, but Grooms was a, a good friend of mine. He was the pastor, the preacher at my church when I was in uh, high school. And so he and I, I, my theology was forged by uh, Mike Grooms and Al Hall going out to coffee at a uh, round-the-clock restaurant and arguing theology between the two of them back and forth, you know, many, many nights. And I didn't know what I was, I was just a kid, so I wasn't sure exactly what they were arguing about, but I knew that it was theological. And I knew that when it was done, they, they parted as uh, as friends you know so they would have yeah. these these clashes of of evangelical uh, theses and then and then they were friends and then they would come back and do it again you know a couple of days later mm-hmm. and so w- when i started to have conversations as i reached adulthood and i started to have conversations with fellow church people i'd moved away now and i'm established in uh, my household in Indiana, I'm starting to go to church and I'm uh, in, coming into various leadership roles in the church. I would start having theological uh, conversations with other people in the church. And what I discovered is that they were uh, kind of offended when I would disagree with them or when I would mm-hmm. when I start to pick at the edges of some of their theological statements like, uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, when we die, we become angels. I'd like, pick at that a little bit in Sunday school class. And, uh, and, and they would get really, really uh, offended, upset by that. And so here's, here's what I wanted to propose, that Christian leaders, like the ones that are assembled in our preacher page, you see how I included myself as one of the preachers now? Um, yep, that's pretty people, smooth. <laughs> I questioned whether I was supposed to even be there, and then I just slid myself into the group. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Christian leaders of, of various stripes have a way of talking to each other that is, I believe, different from the way they talk to people who are outside of the circle of Christian leadership. Would you, first of all, would you agree? Or disagree uh, with that? Oh, absolutely agree. Um, pastors, ministers are uh, a little bit like funeral directors in that you tend to develop a rather macabre sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one that um, we probably share with each other, but you don't dare share uh, some other places. I mean, there. I think in any, any role in life, there are jokes and pestering back and forth you do with colleagues that you just wouldn't do with anybody else, partly because the other folks wouldn't just simply wouldn't understand it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, that's, that's my 
consensus too. I think that's true. Um, mm-hmm. But then to, to kind of pick at the edges of that a little bit, is that because they haven't been included in the group and because we don't talk to them that way, or is it because they are, there is some uh, fundamental difference between the way they process uh, information or conversations and the way people in our, let's just say our, the pastor's group, let's say the pastor's group, is that a collection of people who just fundamentally think differently than people outside the group? <laughs> Maybe. Um, you, you know, you probably, uh, pastors tend to be a little bit different in some ways, but some of that is just uh, forged by experience. And mm-hmm. and I really do think that there's a, a good share of, of, it's just common experiences and shared experiences. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, well, I think Al and I are just about the same age, and and that begins with six. And uh, <laughs> we've been in ministry a long time, and and the stuff that I've experienced, chances are he's experienced it too. Tim Baines, these other guys that are that are involved together, and sometimes you just get it because, like, yeah, been there, done that, and uh, and and you can laugh about it in a in a way, but. Um, you know, just some of the arguments about like the time of the Christmas Eve service and how that could become a fight sure. in a church. And people that have never been on the receiving end of that fight simply wouldn't get it. And so I think there's certain element of that. It's just, um, yeah, we're, we're probably different, but um, uh, some of it is just experiences and, and you get it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do, and and I'm in in processing it. The reason I the reason I brought it up was because I was trying to I was trying to figure out whether or not the reason that there are certain people because I'm right there with you. I, I there are certain things that I do not say to to people who are outside the group. I can say stuff to you. I can say stuff to Al for sure. Mm-hmm. That that it's like, yeah, I'll fire this at Al. He knows exactly what I'm saying. Um, Mm -hmm. he understands the sarcasm. He understands that I'm, you know, he understands he gets it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there are other people that I do not talk that way because I know they are not going to get it. And I have, I have become, uh, I don't want to say convicted, but I guess convicted is the right word that maybe the reason they don't get it is because I have never, I have never said it to them. And then, gauged or taken whatever reaction they had and then tried to process along yeah. to bring them up to where, to where I am with the people who do get it. And well, I think, you know, there, uh, the group that we're in is we'll, we'll never admit that we're a church split, but we're a church split from the original group that on Facebook that Mike Groom started. And, right. and what I have, what I observed is that even among ministers and pastors, um, different ages, but certainly as we get a little bit older, there are some that just don't share the same convictions. They don't share the same sense of humor. And um, there are things, uh, well, some of us have been beat up a little bit in ministry. Others have had everything come fairly easily. And uh, I think there are some guys that the response to being disagreed with is, oh, how dare you? 
right. uh, than others of us just kind of expect it. Right. It's like, you know, you, you say <laughs> right. something and I mean, we've been married long enough to know that we're wrong about most things anyway. So, uh, yeah. And there's, so there's a matter of conviction. There's also just a matter of maybe not taking yourself too, too terribly seriously. Um, admitting that maybe I haven't figured out all the answers to revelation that no scholars previously have figured out. So, you know, you go, you start from there and I I don't know if you can't start from a place like that, you're probably going to have trouble getting along in a bigger group such as the one we're in. So, right. Well, but, but that is, that's part of the reason that the conversation goes the way it goes is because you have that you you don't take yourself so seriously. You're open to the possibility that you may be mistaken about something and that you have something to learn. And, and those are, well, actually I'm not really open to that possibility. I know Sir Hall's not open to that, but (laughs) uh, so we're a kindred spirit in that way. (laughs) Right. Well, okay. So maybe I'm speaking for myself only um, that I have, you know, I, I occasionally have learned things from other people, um, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't take it. I I don't freak out, and I don't feel this sense of uh, I don't know shame or or uh, or, or be some a, a certain amount of outrage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's people who it, it's almost like they it's almost like they feel like they're admitting defeat if they concede. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you just taught me a thing that I didn't know before. Oh, yeah. And and I'm not sure where that comes from. I guess that's the question: is why is it that it doesn't it doesn't rattle me to my core to admit that I, even Al Serhall is right about things sometimes? Oh man! And there are well, I don't know if go that far, but um, the I I've thought about this too. You know, as you mentioned it, I I, I think you know I'm a trauma chaplain overnight at a hosp- metro hospital here in Omaha, and um, I. You know, there's the job itself. I get called in if there's an emergency or a death or some crisis. And because I am, of course, the voice of reason and calm. Sure. But at the same time, I I am around um, professionals of every uh, nationality and color and background and age. And, and I think some of it is whether you believe that that's a, a wonderful opportunity or a problem. I mean... Good grief, I'm up in the ICU with international traveling nurses, one's from Trinidad and one's from Togo. Well, I think it's fascinating because, wow, okay, what's it like in home? What's, uh, I, I, I don't see that as a threat at all. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to learn stuff and to grow and, and uh, laugh and have fun together, but also to do your jobs well right. together. So... Right. Um, well, not and feeling the, threatened about it is, I think, a good thing. Okay. So who do you think, what type of people, you don't have to name names, but what type of person is threatened um, Is threatened under those conditions, is threatened under those circumstances? Um, I think it is, I think the people that feel threatened are uh, probably too ego-driven. And I, and I think there's two elements of the ego-driven person. One is the person that is really, really fragile and deep down is very insecure and therefore can't admit that, 
oh man, uh, if I if I admit I don't know everything about you know soteriology, then I must be an idiot. Uh, but then I think every once in a while I've run across somebody that I think they're ego driven because they are just genuinely so arrogant and full of themselves okay. that they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think the, 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 I, I don't know whether I'd call it fragility, but it's the, um, it, it's, it's a person who leads with their ego. And, and I think that leads the same person to desperately need everyone's affirmation and uh and praise rather than um you know just an an honest give and take and uh so uh probably a lot of it's what we're looking for you know are you looking to be um uh i don't know congratulated or are you looking for friendship and uh camaraderie and just a give and take uh i i prefer the latter yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a an element of uh, fellowship that is present among the the preachers in the preachers group. There's a fellowship that exists. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. That is the fellowship that ideally we are striving for. Um, you know, within the church at large, and, yeah. and obviously you can't have. Mm-hmm tight fellowship with 400 people, you know, there's, no. it's, it, it's by definition, the, the closer fellowship is going to be reserved for smaller groups, yep. but it, it's, it's fascinating to me to watch how the, again, I'm, I'm going to say the, the leadership, the people who are more mature uh, in the faith, whatever you, however you want to think about it, there's a different kind of fellowship and, mm-hmm. and it is, and that maturity excludes the people who are less who are less mature yeah. and it sort of seems like a catch-22 because now because how are they going to mature if they are outside of the fellowship of more mature believers you know they are going to mm-hmm. be they're going to be excluded from the more mature fellowship not not aggressively it's not like oh we're, we're not going to let you be part of our group but it's just they they a lot of times exclude themselves because they're well, uncomfortable and in those situations. One of the things I learned, um, oops, I guess I admitted I learned something. It was several years ago when there was a, uh, we have a Wednesday night, we call it light night. It's uh, uh, until COVID killed it. We used to have a, like a meal at six o'clock and then six or five 45, then six 30, we'd have youth groups for all ages and an adult, an adult study. And uh, there was a younger couple, they were dating um, and they came to the adult study. There's there's generally twelve to twenty of us in that. And and the boyfriend who really honestly was looking for excuses, he said after the girl that came was a member of our church, and he said all these people do is they sit around. They all got these inside jokes, and they you know they all know each other, but they don't pay any attention to the new guy. Right. And he wasn't overly right, but he wasn't completely wrong either. Right. I mean, you know, you've got, um, you know, if there were 10 of us got together, I mean, I live a thousand miles from you guys, but if, if, uh, we all gathered at the local, uh, high culture club, also known as a waffle house. And if there were 10 of us, there's probably three or four that we've interacted more together right? and, right. and you start from a different place and others can feel left out. So yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty, 
pretty common. And I, I don't know what to do about it other than be aware of it if you're trying to include people in fellowship. Sure, sure. Well, what you can do, there's, a, there's an aspect of fellowship that, um, and this is going to eventually segue into the thing that I actually wanted to talk about with you, um, that the church has, uh, I think, a somewhat unhealthy um, obsession with, with uh, reaching out, and no matter how I say this, it's going to sound dumb, but uh, they're, they're reaching out to, uh, for lack of a better term, the pagans, uh, the seekers, the lost, um, yeah. and, and readjusting or adjusting everything around people who don't believe uh, the gospel yet. They're, they're lost people. You know they're pagans, mm-hmm. and you've yep. got you've got these Christian people who are trying to adjust what they're doing in order to make the pagans feel comfortable. And then uh, when it doesn't work, when the pagans say something like the boyfriend said, it's like I don't really feel like I fit in here. Like you guys got all these inside jokes. Well, now uh, those those Christian people who were doing everything that they could within their power to try to make him feel included. Now they feel guilty and they feel like they have, uh, that they have somehow failed in their ministry because this lost person is, uh, has not, you know, ran down the aisle and gotten baptized. I, I had a really, I, uh, an interesting conversation. I, I mentor several younger ministers, which, could be a terrifying prospect, but uh, for others. But one of the guys is about thirty years old, single guy. He preaches pastors at a UCC church, and um, that 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 brotherhood is a little different theologically than we are. And um, his comment he's he's pretty conservative himself, uh, super young guy, and uh, I mean super guy that's young. And uh, he he talked about how in the UCC. They shamelessly pandered to the LGBTQ crowd as a denomination. They just shamelessly embraced and pandered, and it kind of backfired on them because uh, the the non-believing LGBTQ community just said, "This is like virtue signaling or appropriation." The the people of that leaning or persuasion that are honestly seeking God and Jesus. They said he's not here, and and so they were not interested. They they didn't want to be a part of a church that was an LGBTQ church. They wanted to be a church part of a church that was a Christ centered church. Right. So you know it kind of backfired, and and I think maybe we're maybe we're missing the boat. I mean, the whole point of the church is we are different. Um, you know, I'm I'm not the same as the guy that that is a Hindu uh, and he's a doctor at the hospital and he's from India. I'm not this, I mean, he's a brilliant man uh, and, and, but we're not the same in our faith. So (coughs) I'm not going to make believe that we are. And so uh, I don't have to be mean or disrespectful or anything else. And I certainly don't want to be, but I'm not going to make believe that we are kindred spirit and uh, soul, you know, things along that line because we're not. Right. Right. Well, that is a, that's a really uh, uncomfortable thing for a lot of Christians yeah. to contemplate, you know, yeah. because, well, and because 
And the idea of some often, I think, uh, <laughs> guess who won't stay off my lap? Dumb cat. He has a cat. Um, cat just showed up on, on yeah. the uh, screen. Yeah. Hello. Um, yeah, and I think, too, that we we tend to, you know, the good old, what is it, the BBB, the uh, butts, bucks, and buildings buildings or whatever, we we tend to be very focused on numbers and you know, we, we do the seeker sensitive or whatever, but there's gotta be something more than that. And, you know, just being casual acquaintances doesn't do it. I mean, there's gotta be a kindred spirit and faith and not everyone is going to share that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that is, that, that's the topic that has, that's been of interest to me recently is the idea of Christians um, just saying to people who are not believers, we are not on the same team. We are not going in the same direction. We are, we are adversaries, you know, mm-hmm. and I've, I've gone so far as to use the word enemy um, because mm-hmm. it's startling and it's somewhat jarring. But mm-hmm. I think that there's been, I, I know for a fact that I grew up in a church culture that was very outreach oriented and there was very, um, there's people who don't know Jesus and we have to introduce them to Jesus. And the way you do that is with gentleness and kindness. And, and you, you extend, you know, a hand of fellowship to these people. And all this was, you know, the seventies and the eighties and, and I was part of it. And it seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, well, and, and I, I think, think it was. I, I think it is in that you don't have to go out of your way to be antagonistic. No. Um, no. But at the same time, I don't know that we have to go out of our way to to say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 we agree on everything because we don't right. agree on everything. And, right. and and you even within the church fellowship, you take a like in our brotherhood, a Christian church uh, restoration movement background, uh, or at least in the church I'm in. And, and uh, we're in a we're in a low income, very uh, multiracial, uh, rough part of Omaha you will not find solidarity of theology and doctrine among even the church members. Right. Uh, there's the core, but there are just people that are coming along. And, you know, the, the couple that was recently married and they were, they're both recovering addicts and they have no church background. They're not, they're not going to be arguing with me about whether we should have communion every week. Right. Um, but on the other hand, um, I'm ready to answer any questions they have as to why. And uh, so, you know, compromise and and an adversarial uh, or an adversarial approach don't have to be polar opposites. They, you know, you can be firm in your belief, but at the same time, not be, you know, antagonistic about it. Well, and I, I agree with all of that. I think that the, I, I think that it was presented, um, to us years ago, the idea of being antagonistic as if that's what everybody was going to do, you know, mm-hmm. as if, as if all of these yeah. adult people who were, who were fairly mature in the faith or whatever, if it said, you need to go out and reach your neighbor as if they were going to go, that means I need to load up my guns and go out and start smacking people over the head with the Bible. And it's like, it doesn't, and, well, and all the preachers were quick to say that, you know, now we're not yeah. going to be hostile. And it's like, yeah, well, I, I wasn't planning on that anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but there has been the, the, the distinction between um, having 
doctrinal or denominational differences of opinion, like how often do you take the Lord's Supper, yeah. um, whether or not you should baptize, or what is baptism, you know, when do you get baptized, what does mm-hmm. it mean, all of those sort of things. Those have become points that have made us adversarial towards people who are, mm-hmm. who are, are there, there are brothers and sisters. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. there's going to be, yeah. I think there's going to be people who go to the Catholic church and who go to the Methodist church and even to the UCC church who are going to be in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. Because they're, mm-hmm. they're, yeah, I agree. And, and uh, I, to me, the, Yeah, you know, and to me, when Jesus is saying "Don't judge," that that's not a prohibition. That's releasing me from having to make those distinctions. So, um, you know, I, I I'm not the one that has to make the call. Uh, right. I know what I believe and why. Right, and and so, so if we if we if we establish that, and we and we have this understanding that even though you and I. Uh, don't necessarily agree that we should take communion every single week. We can still, mm-hmm. we still have fellowship with one another and we can oh, still yeah. in the, in a good natured way, we can rib each other about it. And not, we don't have to take it oh, too yeah. seriously because we both, we, neither one of us know everything or the, for sure. Or the, the young man that the, in the UCC church that I'm good friends with and mentor. Um, I refer to him as the stinking liberal millennial. And he go. just me as the crotchety old boomer. And right. You know, and then we and then we laugh and we go back for seconds at Golden Corral, right. and uh, but good grief, you know the two of us in our churches anyway are and and he's not really on board at all with much of the leanings of the UCC, but uh, even being a part of that denomination that does not make him my enemy, right? Uh, so and and I do think that uh, I I would say I've probably had a lot of a good influence on his ministry. I mean, I've been in ministry longer than he's been alive. So I would <laughs> hope that there are some things that he is learning from me, good sure. or bad. Um, and and why would I short circuit that or refuse that simply because he's in a, a pastoring in a very, very liberal denomination? Sure. Uh, that it, him, me being friends with him mean takes nothing from me. It adds much to me. So right. I'm happy to be a part of it. Well, and I, I believe that that those relationships and the, the fact that the Christian church has historically done a pretty excellent job of of being gracious and being forgiving and and for and for accommodating people and serving people um, Did I lose you, Jeff? Uh, I'm here. You're you're breaking up. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. But it was a- yeah. I no, I wasn't saying anything there for the last thirty seconds. Believe it or not. Um, but yeah, there's there's some pixelation or something going on, and I'm not sure if that's on my end or yours. Um, it's probably, probably just internet mine. connection. But uh, yeah, you know, one of the things I think okay. that is interesting in our brotherhood with the restoration movement is that we have people in our churches from literally all denominations 
And, mm-hmm. and I think that that, that, that has been a real blessing in that you, you have to learn to, um, not, not so much accommodate, but to understand and understand where people are coming from. And, and, and you're going to have to figure out that, you know, either we decide to get along or we're going to major in minors and fight all the time. And, right. and so, you know, which, we, which I don't think we do, do we? I mean, I, I'm uh, trying to be really. fair. Not yeah. really. Uh, I do think that, you know, the honest truth is in the last, uh, let's see, what's it been six, seven years, I think that there has been a lot of fighting that has taken place over, around, and about, and because of Donald Trump. And, uh, and that's where I would say that, uh, you know, it, it, which is kind of funny because it's not a doctrinal thing. It's not about communion or anything else. It's about whether you think he's the Antichrist or the savior of the nation. And, right. and, and that's where I've seen personally in churches and society and in families and among ministers. And, and you know this, that as well as I do in that group that the first group grooms formed, um, that's been a vicious dividing point. And, uh, well, and I think it's no holds barred. I think that that, I think that's true. And I think that Donald Trump hasn't caused it, but I think Donald Trump was sort of the, uh, the light. Oh, oh, he's the lightning rod. Yeah. Yeah. He's the lightning rod, but he also Mm -hmm. illuminated the rift that has been there for a long time. And Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons, we, we ignored it or didn't want to talk about it or thought that there were bigger problems to worry about, but that rift has been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it is, it is uh, rooted in, or at least it's a factor that we have been so um, afraid of, of saying to a person, okay, this is as far as we can go. Now I'm not Mm going to, I'm not going to come and burn your house down and I'm not going to, hang you from a tree, but you are not of, you are not my brother. I mean, yeah. and, and there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians. There are a lot of people who identify as Christian and they have infiltrated the church and they are not actually members of the church. They are yeah. Christian in name only. And some of it is deliberate. Some of it is so that they can get in and they can sow the seeds of division and mm-hmm. they can, they can proclaim a false gospel. And we have been duped into yeah. uh, into letting them preach, and we've been handing them a microphone, and we've been putting them up in Sunday school classes because we don't want to seem like we're unloving or uh, yeah. exclusive. We don't want the, we don't want them to feel like mm-hmm. outsiders, and they have used that uh, they've used that against us. They've used it against the church. Yeah. Well, it's you know there. It's one thing to be welcomed at and embraced at church. It's an entirely different thing to be thrown into leadership roles. And sure. um, I, I think we do a bad job of that. One Back to the Trump thing, I, one of the things that's been interesting to me about that is that if you are a person that voted for Trump, you are automatically assumed to be a homophobic, racist, white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, uh, and, and, the thing that's so funny about that is that it's so wrong. Uh, my wife and I were election officials. We got drafted to be so uh, in 2016. And um, the, our church, we were officials at our church up here in Northeast Omaha, which is the, like I say, it is the, you know, as white, a white couple, we are very much in the minority. 
And it was just an interesting thing because at the midday poll, um, probably a third of the votes had, were for Trump. And um, the overwhelming majority of the people that voted are not the same skin colors I am. Right. So, you know, um, the, but, but there's a lot of assumptions that just get thrown in. And it's like, okay, you know, and, and we're, all, we're all prone to do that. You know, you see the, uh, up here in my neighborhood, you see the young black man walking down the street, you know, he's doing his thing and his pants are sagging. And it's way too easy to make assumptions about him that mm-hmm. could be absolutely untrue. And, uh, and we've done that in the church with the uh, uh, Trump derangement syndrome, the NTEs, whatever. We just assume all kinds of things about somebody that, I mean, you may have a, I've got a, another good friend that he's a, a very, very devout conservative young man, uh, a pastor at church in Iowa, and he doesn't care for Trump, wouldn't vote for him. Right. Okay. You know, I don't have to throw anything else in there. Um, trust his judgment and and uh, and understand that he's an excellent young man, a good preacher. He's a good pastor, a great husband and father. And that's it. Right. Well, and that that's. I, I think you're. Uh, I think you and I are kind of saying the same thing in that. I don't have a problem with people who don't like Donald Trump. You know, and I can I can even understand why they don't like Donald Trump. There, I, I, I personally I don't like Donald Trump. No, I think he's I, blowhard. He's insufferable. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's 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 true. I don't like to listen to. I didn't like to listen to him talk when he was running. When he was right, when he right. twenty sixteen. It's like man, he's so hard to listen to. Yeah, um, and so. Exactly. And then, but even, even with Trump, to me, it's that, why are you not able to, or why am I, or we, whoever, why are we not able to discern and dissect and say, wow, he's got an off-putting personality, but I, I really am on board with this policy or, or what, you know, and, or throw in his predecessor, Barack Obama. Why are we, you know, why do we throw the baby out with the bathwater? Well, he's, you know, he's pro-abortion. Therefore, he's the Antichrist. No, not necessarily. Um, there, there were good things that I think both guys did, uh, and maybe despite their personality or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's not necessarily an all or nothing thing. Uh Right, there's going to be good things and bad things about anybody who runs, yeah. who holds an office. Um, the the my criticism with uh, with both Barack Obama and with and Donald Trump of recently, the most recent, uh, and even Joe Biden, I'll extend to that too. My yeah. problem is not necessarily with those people; it's with the people who are their supporters. And mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. I'm talking I'm talking to church people. I expect pagans to to instantly become idolaters. I expect that. And mm-hmm. so when they vote for Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or whatever, they are voting for a God. I, I get that. And they won't mm-hmm. admit that, but that's what's going on. They're, they're, their God yeah. is the government. Yeah. And so if their person mm-hmm. doesn't get elected, it's like their God has died. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, everybody worships something. Yeah. But I'm disappointed that that, 
sentiment has made its way into the church. I'm, I'm disappointed mm-hmm. that we that we are not good at saying to uh, we can't tell the difference between uh, the person who voted for Trump and the person who worships Joe Biden. We can't tell mm-hmm. the difference between those two people. And, right. and right. so we can't have a conversation. We, we really can't have an effective conversation with either one of them because mm-hmm. we don't understand who we're talking to. So we yeah. like we can't say we can say to the to the Trump supporter, you know, if they're going too far, we can say, you know what? He's he's not our savior. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and I know some Christians who said that this is God's, he is God's chosen vessel. Oh yeah. And, and it's like, uh, well, I, I think he might've been God's chosen vessel in the same way. Some of the old Testament rulers were, you know, and, but, but that's not necessarily an endorsement of character. I mean, that's sure. You know, sure. that God worked through Nebuchadnezzar. Well, I think so. Um, but it wasn't because Nebuchadnezzar was necessarily a good Christian man. Right. And, uh, but yeah. you're already you're already saying you're articulating ideas that are what people who are mature in the faith articulate. <laughs> you can't you can't help it. But what, like when you say, "Oh, sure, he might have been God's chosen vessel," that's already more nuanced than yeah. the way they say it. Yeah. That, what, what they mean is that he's it. He's like the Pope. He mm-hmm. is, he, yeah. he, he is the thing and disagreeing with him is disagreeing with the Holy spirit. Yeah. And so I, I don't know that I've got any of those to that extreme in my church or I say my church and the one I serve. Um, right. There are some friends I have that, that take that view and, and I just straight up disagree with them. And, and I'm, you know, well, maybe I'm being a jerk, but at the same time, I have no problem disagreeing and saying, you know what? I don't, I don't look at it that way. I just don't see it that way. Uh, Trump is another guy or Obama is another guy. And, um, I don't, I, I mean, I don't necessarily care to have dinner with either one of them. And, um, but, uh, you know, when, when Biden won in 2020, uh, was it 20? Yeah. 2020. 2020. Um, when, when he won, my world did not end. Right. Um, I mean, my, my uh, retirement savings and things have suffered, uh, but that I don't know that that's because of Biden completely. It's just that there are policies, but elections have consequences. And but there again, you know, my my life did not end. My faith it was not crippled, um, not necessarily affected by him being president any more than it was by Trump being president. Uh, right. you know, my my faith isn't based on who's in the White House. Right. Well, and the unfortunate thing, but it's been this way since the beginning of time, I suppose, is that relationships are not up to me. That they are by vert by nature, they are a right a two people. It takes two people to be in a relationship, yep. and so we. My my concern, my my thoughts are uh, to the people in the church, my brothers and sisters who are established. Washed of the blood, saved by saved by grace. Those people who are carrying around this enormous burden of uh, guilt or shame or anxiety, whatever it is, because they're not able to, uh, they, they they've been accused of not loving people yeah. correctly. 
um, specifically yeah. specifically LGBTQ. Since you yeah. since you brought it up, that's that's really the, where the epicenter of this is. If you're not if you're not affirming LT, LGBTQ, and that is to say, it, it's not just enough to say I don't have a problem with that. It's like what you are doing is good. What you are doing, yes, mm-hmm. you should oh, adopt yeah. children. Yes, you should. You, sh- you should mm-hmm. come to come to church service in drag, and and we will take pictures mm-hmm. with. Yes, all of that should happen. Um, right. And and these brothers and sisters are being made to feel like they're the bad guys if mm-hmm. they don't if they don't succumb to that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, and in my family, uh, our kids feel that way about us, about Angie and I. And um, the, uh, they're all in their 30s. And, uh, and, and the thing is, the, the thing that is irksome, uh, to put it mildly about that, is that it's, no, it's never issue by issue. It is the, you know, again, it might be the Trump thing. It's all kind of connected. You know, if you if if like I say, if you if you voted for Trump, even if you held your nose and voted for him, uh, mm. you're a homophobe. You're a white supremacist. No, no, not ne- not necessarily. Uh, mm. I mean, you might be, but one you know one isn't cause of the other. Um, it, it's kind of a crazy thing, and yeah, why why we have to bend over backwards to accommodate everything, especially, uh, and especially things that are very clear scripturally, stand up, speak the truth. You don't have to be hateful about it, but speak the truth, stand there and and you're going to take the hits. Well, and you will be accused of being hateful. That's the the point. It doesn't matter how nicely you say it. Well, you you will be labeled. I mean, even I I will say, you know, my experience at the hospital as chaplain as the overnight calling chaplain, I, I think we should admit to ourselves that the highest uh, comorbidity with COVID, those most susceptible to COVID are the elderly. Of course, they're the most susceptible to RSV and influ- everything else. But coming right up alongside them is the morbidly obese. I mean, you know, and that brings all with it, all the, all the comorbidities with that. Well, mm-hmm. You know, nobody's asking me at the hospital, do I look fat to you? you know, but but if somebody, if you were to ask, well, what are the primary comorbidities with COVID? Are we supposed to lie and say, oh, no, it's fine that you're 500 pounds. You're perfectly healthy. Yeah. Uh, but we, it's, we wouldn't it's do a roll that. of the dice. Who, yeah, who can yeah, you? It's, yeah. it's, it's genetics. And, yeah. uh, uh, but I mean, and that's what I saw personally in my anecdotal evidence. And then studying the broader thing is these are the primary comorbidities. And, you know, you can't really do much about your age, but you really can do something about your health. And um, maybe the first step is to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. And and we don't do anybody any good by lying to them. So, wow. yeah. anyway. Yeah, I, I would... I, I would suggest I've I've been suggesting loudly um, for several years now that honesty just just say what you believe to be true just mm-hmm. say that yeah whatever you whatever you believe to be true just say it and 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 then as you know on social media you're going to get hammered 
Absolutely. Oh, so you're saying that? Well, no, that isn't what I said. No, it's not. And what I said. Um, and, <laughs> and the uh, and I think you've just got to accept the fact that that's what's going to happen. You're going to get hammered, and you know, so you speak the truth about something, and you're going to get hammered. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Right. And um, uh, there are going to be people that are mad. And, and I think you and I, I think I'm older than you are, but, you know, we're of the vintage where, um, you, you know, we didn't say stuff like that to people. I mean, we didn't scream and yell at people and call them names and, you know, white supremacists. We, everybody does that on social media now. Right. So I think a lot of us in our older generation, we tend to be very intimidated by that. Right. Um, and. Right. And I think younger people, that's just the way they speak. They'd never do it in public. I mean, they'd never speak to you that way face to face. But uh, um, we tend to take an online social media onslaught as the same thing as a face to face fight. And it just isn't. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. There are uh, people who are ill-equipped to do combat to have to have conflict and conflict is a part of it's a part of life i mean it's rare that two people agree you know without some sort of negotiation taking place Mm -hmm. um well right you know it's it's the same thing as marriage isn't it i mean uh you know we don't do that very well either (laughs) yeah yeah i I just get used to being wrong and but no you uh, i i found uh I don't know. I, I'm either the right or completely wrong personality for social media and Facebook because I, for years have on Facebook, have just said things on a, on a conversation or a thread. I don't care, but I'll just say something that is intentionally provocative and go to bed and wake up in the morning. It's like, oh, 83 notification. Let's check out the game. And yeah. And, and there's so much of us like, I don't care. I don't care that some some angry girl in Finland didn't like my answer to a question. And I mean, you can go too far with that, of course, but um, you you can, you can. But there is the, but the, the, the pendulum, the church has been on its back foot and the church has been apologizing for, um, well, my life. I grew up in church and I don't mm-hmm. remember a time when the church was what I would call uh, assertive, you know, or, or yeah. aggressive yeah. or positive. The church has been very reactionary my mm-hmm. whole life. Um, yep. And, and that's right. We put our finger to the wind to find out what culture yeah. is doing. And then we go, hey, yep. let's see if we can let's entice them into our church service mm-hmm. by by doing what they're doing mm-hmm. so that they will go, oh, they're just like us. And. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, do, we do that with our music. Um, right. And, I, you know, I'm not there. Are, there are very few kinds of music I really dislike. But, you know, are, are we going to kid ourselves and, and try to claim that most Christian music in more contemporary churches is not really just a, a copy of Pop 40? Um, you know, we're and, and maybe it's not a problem, but, you know, we can admit that. Uh, you know, when most of our music that is sung in more contemporary churches, it sounds more like something's on the radio than than you'd ever think was in church. 
Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, you know, maybe there are some people looking for that. I think there are. But I think there are also a lot of people that are honestly searching in their faith for something that is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the alcoholic or the drug addict, and, and we minister to a lot of them, partly because of where we were and our affiliation with Open Door Mission, they're not looking for same old, same old. I mean, they need help. They need change. They need something different, and they know it. Um, so I think the church needs to be different, right. we, uh, period. Right. Well, and I, I think that what, they, what the culture is crying out for is the same thing that, that mankind has been crying out for forever, and that's just the truth. That's just a, a place to stand. Um, yep. when, when the government and, is telling them to wear masks and social yeah. distance and, and you're killing your you're killing your neighbor and, and you know, mm-hmm. you've got to get boosted yeah. and boosted and boosted and boosted. And there's there are literally millions of people out there going, I don't know what to do. And there and the church is among those people. You know, we shut mm-hmm. down. The government said, oh, you got to shut down. And we've got it. Romans mm-hmm. 13. We got to do what the authorities say. And this is the right thing to do. How you love your neighbor now is you stay home from church. And uh, you don't, you don't go celebrate Christmas with them. Yeah. Love like Jesus would love put on a mask. Right. Or maybe, you know, I, I love the fact in in the church I'm at, we've got one of our, one of our anti-vax, anti-mask guys. He had COVID. It would have been the fall of that first year. And he wanted, he wanted to get back to church. So he, he sat out for a couple of weeks, but then he came back and he didn't want to make anybody uncomfortable. So he sat by himself up in the balcony. And he wasn't mad. He wasn't. He was just respecting the fact that him being in and among the crowd would make some of the people uncomfortable. Sure. So he just sat up in the balcony for a couple weeks. It was awesome because, I, I mean, I looked at that and thought he's just being respectful. He wants to be there. He is there, and he's not making an issue out of something that shouldn't be a primary issue. Right. Right. You know, we. I think we need more of that. Yeah. Well, I would agree. And, and that's my that's my hobby horse, I guess, is that the church is not uh, the church is not attractive to the church is not attractive to to guys. The church is not attractive yeah. to people who are yeah who who want to uh, shoot guns and eat meat mm-hmm. and uh, and. You mentioned specific things, things we do at our man camp up at our church camp. Right. Uh, shamelessly. It's man camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, most men are not necessarily into the uh, pastel colors and the, you know, sitting around drinking tea and talking about our feelings. Right. Um, you know, men are, men are wanting a mission and, uh, well, men are not interested in trying to figure out which pronouns to use for the, not at all. <laughs> you know, yeah, not at music all. minister or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. so, but, but just saying that is uh, what many, many guys are afraid to do because they know they're going to get hammered in certain mm-hmm. churches. And so rather than fight, they just like, I'm just not going to go to church. I'm going to stay home. Yeah. And yeah. Or uh, that's if, where a lot of the deconversions come from. Or if you're the minister, you're, you're the, you're the one that's always trying to skirt the middle, you know, and straddle the fence and, uh, and not offend. And so right. you just don't say anything about anything. Right. And, 
And because and I think that's what drives people out. I think people, mm-hmm. like you said, they're they're coming in because they're looking for something you call it different. I think I think they're looking for the truth. I think they're looking oh, for absolutely. a place where they can drop their anchor. And if yeah. we are skirting that issue, if we're going, you know what, I just don't want to offend anybody, they're like, Well then there's no place for me to set my anchor here. Same. Yeah, the, the guy that's the guy that's looking to hang around with some buddies and have some drinks and argue and watch a football game, he's not coming to church for that. No. He, he, uh, so then that's not what we're there for. So um, yeah, we let it be clear who and what we are and understand that for some people, they will not agree. They will be very angry about that. And uh, I guess that's the way it is. Speaking of-